New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. and welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today, I'm hosting Paul Levy. He's a pioneer in the field of spiritual emergence and founder of the Awakening in the Dream community in Portland, Oregon. And he's the author of Watiko, Healing the Mind Virus That Plagues Our World. I'm speaking with Paul at his home by remote connection. Paul, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. I'm so happy to be here with you. Really, thank you for inviting me. Thank you. It's my pleasure. For many years, you've been doing an extensive study of the mind virus that Native Americans call Watiko. What is it, and how is it influencing our world? Well, the Watiko mind virus, you know, it's a Native American term whose origin is within the human psyche, and the solution is to be found within the human psyche, and it is literally at the bottom of the collective madness that's playing out all over the world. And it's not something I've discovered, I'm just a translator, but every single spiritual tradition from time immemorial and great, you know, thinkers, philosophers, visionary artists, they've all been pointing at Watiko in their own creative way. And the thing about Watiko, so it's a psycho-spiritual disease of the soul that operates through the blindness uh, it's a form of blindness that operates through the blind spots of the unconscious, through the projective tendencies of the mind in such a way that we hypnotize ourselves, that we entrance ourselves. And our own creative genius, it has no creativity, but it plugs into our own creativity and turns it against us. So that's really a thumbnail sketch of Watiko. I know that you have deeply, deeply studied the work of Carl Jung. Mm-hmm. I think he's referred to this in his work. Yeah, the thing with Jung, he was totally onto Watiko, but he didn't have the name. And he kept on calling it different names. But in my new book, I point out the one name that he called it again and again was, or phrase was, totalitarian psychosis. Now, think about what Watiko is it's an inner disease of the soul that has a magical ability to extend itself into the outside world so as to configure events in the outer world. And so think about when Watiko gets in a person's mind, it will set up a shadow government in their psyche. It will colonize their psyche in a way that it'll dictate to the ego and all the healthy parts of the psyche will get subsumed to serve the pathogen. And all the while, the person has no idea of what's happening. What I just described, how Watiko works inside of one person's psyche, that's actually reflected and playing out in the outer world via the totalitarian forces that are insidiously creeping all over our planet. So that's one of the ways of seeing Watiko, how the the outer world is reflecting the inner state of a psyche that's under its thrall. And to recognize the outer is reflecting the inner, that's to recognize the dreamlike nature, because Watiko is a quantum phenomena, which means that it's a superposition of states of both the pathogen and the medicine combined in one state. So if we recognize that the outer world is reflecting the inner state of the psyche, that's to recognize the dreamlike nature, and that's to wake up in the dream. So Watiko virus 
if it doesn't kill us, it's actually helping us to wake up. When you talk about the totalitarianism, we're seeing this visibly. And I was just trying to reach behind me to pull out a book about uh, how tyranny actually happens. But what's missing in that book is that it's actually inside us. There's something that's happening that's causing us to be more greedy, that's looking a thirst for power and control and a lack of empathy. Not only that, you know, but then ordinary people who are potentially seeing the totalitarian energy that's playing out in the world and are looking away, that are just denying it or turning a blind eye. Now, what Tico, not only is it, is it a blindness, but it feeds off of when we turn a blind eye are looking away, becoming like an ostrich, that actually is the result of Watiko, and that actually is the food for Watiko. Well, I think you've described it in your book as a disease of the soul. Yeah. And when I think of the soul, I think of the going down. If you think about that in mythology, we're thinking of um, all the stories where Hades captures someone. I mean, I just did an interview with Phil Cousineau about Sisyphus and how he was grabbed up by Hades and had to go into the underworld. And that story is much, much bigger than you'd ever imagine. But it gives a feeling of Watiko, how it can take over the soul, like you're living in hell, but you don't know it. Yeah, well, Watiko is a psychosis, and in the real meaning of the word psychosis, it's some sort of illness of the soul. And the thing about Watiko, it actually forces us to descend into the darkness of the unconscious. But like in the Kabbalah, they talk about the, I think it's something like the ascent via the descent, that going down in the psyche is going up in dimensions, that that's the way. It's like the shaman's journey. It's by going into the underworld that they ascend into the true light. And that's what our species is being called to do. We're going through a collective shamanic descent, this rebirth, this death rebirth experience, you know, both individually, we're going through that and collectively as a species. And to see that really helps because then it creates a context for understanding what we're going through, you know, both individually and collectively. Well, I'm thinking of uh, the work of Michael Mead, the mythologist, and he's talking about how the coronavirus is like a collective initiation. And all initiations, you know, you do a separation from what you've known before, and you do go down. I mean, if we look at it as an initiation... Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely an initiation. Like, in other words, like Michael Mead is totally correct. That's what I'll say a lot, that Watiko is this revelation. It's revealing something to us. And when we actually have the revelation of what it's showing to us in whatever degree we discover, oh, well, we're going through an, an initiatory process. It's like via this ordeal of what we're dealing with in the pandemic, it's actually connecting us potentially with who we are. That was why, like in my personal experience of over 40 years ago of having my whole awakening and getting thrown in hospitals and, and misdiagnosed. And, you know, and at first I thought, oh, wow, I really screwed this up. But then I began to realize, no, that was part of the initiation that being in the hospital and locked up and misdiagnosed and medicated and almost destroyed, that that was a shamanic initiatory experience. And that redeemed the whole experience, at least in my mind. As you're talking, I'm thinking about how we notice all the challenges that are going on in the world today. 
And if we start to notice that, we'll have a tendency to say, oh, if those people would just wake up and we would just have a much better world, if they would just, you know, get on board with the truth and get off of fake news and whatever it is that we're projecting. But what I get from reading your book is that that is not helpful. It's not what is going to make a difference. And the difference is within us. Yeah, well, the thing about Watiko, one of the ways it works, so it's a mind virus that operates through our unconscious that actually, you know, when we're afflicted with it, it'll distract us to think the problem is outside of ourselves. And then we try to solve the problem out there. And all the while, it's hiding within our mind. So, for example, if we think, oh, those people are asleep and we need to wake them up, and then we're preaching the light, well, just think about that. If we're preaching the light to people whose eyes are blind, then who's the one who's blind? It's us. So the point is that it's a way better strategy to try to embody and to teach the art of seeing. And, of course, how one does that, that's a whole other question. Well, what I'm thinking is that it's not about not realizing that there are physical challenges in the world today. It's not negating that, but it's going to where we can become more creative beings and join together in that creation. Yeah, well, it's like, you know, all of those dealing with the actual events and physical stuff, that's super important, but that's only one level, the root of the problem. Think about it. Watiko is a collective psychosis, and more and more people are talking about, wow, there's a collective madness. And yeah, well, think about that. What is the origin of a collective madness? It's in the psyche. There's nowhere else where it originates than in the psyche. So the point is that when we recognize that there's something playing out in the world and Watiko is non-local. You can't possibly see somebody acting out the unconscious without it triggering your own unconscious because there's no separation. In the same way, when we see Watiko, it activates our own Watiko. We get triggered. And then the question is, do we just indulge in that and continue to project out, you know, thinking the problems outside of ourselves or investigate and add light in that moment to what inside of us has been triggered. And by doing that, not only do we integrate an unconscious part of ourselves, shed light on our shadow, but we actually can potentially connect with our source, which is creative. Our nature is we are creative beings. We are literally creating our experience of ourselves and of the world each and every moment. Now, Watiko has no creativity on its own. It's a master impersonator. The apocryphal text calls it the counterfeiting spirit. So what it does, it can't touch us when we're in our true nature, but it creates a simulation of ourselves. It's a counterfeiting spirit. It will impersonate us in this limited way. Oh, you're so wounded and traumatized. As soon as you identify with its fictitious version, then it has you. Then it can manipulate you and control you. And if you look at what just I'm describing, basically, you see, Watiko can't steal our soul, but it tricks us into giving it away. So it will trick us into identifying with who we're not. And then we've disconnected from our creative agency. And that's a recipe for madness. And that's, in essence, what Watiko is. As you're saying that, I'm thinking about the creativity of artists. Here's an example. I recently watched a fantastic fantastic documentary about a French artist. His name is J.R. And he travels the world taking photographs 
of people who have been silenced or who are invisible to so many of us and blows them up, enormous, makes them enormous. And they're pasted on the walls of buildings. I mean, they're huge. He's done this in prisons. He's done this in ghettos. He's done this at the border wall. He is changing perception. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the major or primary medicines for Watiko disease is the creative spirit is for each of us. Our nature is to be creative. And when we tap into who we are to our nature and being that our nature is creative, what do we do? We express it creatively. And the more we express it creatively, the more we get to know our nature. It becomes a positive, self-reinforcing feedback loop in which we're creating light. That's what I mean, that being creative is really the medicine for Watiko. For example, I had written a number of years ago an article called Artists Are the Healers of the World. It's the creative people by actually being so tuned in and intuiting what's happening in the collective unconscious of our species and being able to symbolize that and creatively express that in whatever medium. Once they do that, their art, whatever medium it is, because it bypasses the conscious mind, it will, in a way, activate other people's unconscious, you know, in the same way, in the sense that that can become like a virus, a positive virus. It can go viral and inspire other people. And then what happens, we can actually come together and conspire to co-inspire each other. That's a real conspiracy theory. We can activate the genius, the collective genius, in which the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. But that starts with the individual, when each one of us connects with who we are, with our wholeness, with our creativity, with our love and compassion. There are a lot of ways of saying it, and we embody that and express that. That's incredible medicine for the entire non-local field because that energetically non-locally helps other people to also tap into that. Oh, lovely. I want to thank you so much, Paul, for being with us today on the New Dimensions Cafe. I've been speaking with Paul Levy, author of Watiko, Healing the Mind Virus that plagues our world. Paul is also the founder of Awakening in the Dream Community in Portland, Oregon. And if you want to be in touch with him and his work, you can go to his website, awakeninthedream.com, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I want to thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.